using pre-planned lines on dating apps to start conversation does not work generally for women because we have a sixth sense. We have like a sniff test. We can tell that those lines are maybe lines that you got from a YouTube pickup artist dude, or you even maybe came up with it on your own, but now you've used it for every single girl over and over and over. It's like that saying, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day or teach a man how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. Give a man a pre-written line and he'll date for a day. Teach him how to banter and he'll date for a lifetime or maybe not a lifetime because you'll find the one right away and then you'll stop dating and you'll just be married. But you know what I mean? I am Kristen from kristenandchill.com and I am the banter queen. I teach guys how to charm more than just the socks off of women. And if you're struggling in conversation, if you're getting ghosted, if you're never hearing back, if you're never ever getting the results that you deserve, hit me up at kristenandchill.com. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, today we dive into love. What does love mean? How do you know if you're really in love versus falling in love? We have a couples counselor, an addiction specialist on our show who is going to walk us through the differences between falling in love and being in love. And he's also going to provide us with some amazing tips on how to quickly and easily build up self-esteem because he says that this is the one missing piece for so many guys out there. And that piece is what will help you actually fall into real love. So keep listening. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kristen Carney, your favorite host, along with your second favorite host, Marnie Kinris from the Wing Girl Method. And we have... Hey, you slipped that in there, favorite host. (laughs) (laughs) And we have your favorite guest of all time, who you've never met before yet through our podcast, perhaps in other ways. We have Max (laughs) Yusaman, who is a couples therapist that specializes in addiction, which is really interesting. And we're going to be talking Mm -hmm. about falling in love versus real love. So I'm looking forward to hearing the difference. Max, thanks for joining us. Oh, very happy to be here. Yeah. So Max, why don't you give us some background about how you got here and how you got into couples counseling specializing for those who have addiction? Because that's a different space than most couples counselors. So I want to hear the backstory. I am a recovering drug addict. I have been sober 11 years, two months and 21 days. Congratulations. But who's counting? Right. So I've been a therapist about 25 plus years. And so my practice just kept shifting more and more and more and more. And now it's about 80 to 90% things related to addiction, especially couples. Interesting. Did it shift because you had an addiction and therefore you could understand your clients? Or did it shift because you were seeing that was a pattern in most of the couples that were coming to you? When you go through the 12 steps, and I'm a big uh, participant in AA and Al-Anon, you tend to get to the end of the steps and you want to give back. And so one of the ways that I give back is that I do a lot of teaching of addiction 
the disease of addiction and also the disease of codependency. So I've taught it to couples and then I went to San Quentin and I did groups for them and the prisoners there. And uh, so I've worked with all kinds of populations and I've been teaching it quite a bit since I got sober. So it's kind of a, it's actually a way to stay sober. The whole 12th step is the belief that you pay it back to the people who are starting out. I love that. I think that's absolutely amazing. We don't have a program like that for Kristen and I. We don't want to give anybody anything. We want to pay it forward to ourselves, right? That's our motto. The only time I hear payback is when I'm talking to Marnie. Marnie, you need to pay me back. (laughs) Marnie, do you remember the joke that I made when I wrote you one of the first times? I don't, but I have enjoyed corresponding with you over email. So I will say I've liked our emails. I don't remember the exact thing you said. So here's the joke. So Marnie wrote in one of her summaries that she is going to help create an addiction. She's going to help men have women be addicted to them and think about them when they're not with them. And so I wrote her and I said, Marnie, if that's what you're doing, doesn't that make you a drug addict? Yes, I do remember that. Yes, (laughs) I am. I'm dishing it out. I'm hopefully making lots of addicts (laughs) for lots of men that I help, which is awesome. But you're coming on here today not to just talk about addiction, or you are going to talk about a specific addiction. I think that that's because that's how I see it. But we're going to talk about falling in love versus being in love because they're two different things. And I think this description is so beneficial for the guys who listen to this show because many of the guys who contact me, most of them are in the space and stage of they're falling in love, but they think they're in love and therefore becoming addicted. Anyway, I don't need to put words in your mouth, but I want to hear what you have to say about the differences between the two. Okay. So let's just jump in. So they are very different things. Falling in love is what happens at the very beginning. It's kind of like having a crush. It's kind of like being obsessed with somebody, having that first romantic crush. Oh my God, all I can think about is them feeling. It's like puppy love. And falling in love is the process of merging, giving up some of our personal boundaries to merge with somebody else, almost to become one. And when I think about falling in love, it's more similar to breastfeeding. It's all the way going back to what it was like when you were a baby. You are, you want to just cling on to that person. You want to merge onto that person. And really the origins of it or the purpose of it was to continue the species. We were actually drawing ourselves so passionately towards each other so that we can mate and then continue the species. So we are falling in love to have sex. I guess to, in the old days, I guess to have mm-hmm. to get pregnant, to have babies, right. to get married, and to continue the species. And when you fall in love, you tend to talk about this, Marnie. There, it's charming. It's sort of like endearing. It's like everything they say is sweet, and that's what it's like. You adore them, and you kind of in denial about the character flaws and the little things that might bug you later. And uh, it's kind of funny. I remember my first wife. When I first met her, we were, she did step aerobics in Manhattan. I'm dating myself. And I said, oh, that sounds so fascinating. I'd love to go with you to see step aerobics class. I want to do step aerobics. Can we do it in our apartment? And that's what puppy love is. You just merge. You become one person for a short period of time. And that tends to last between nine hours and nine months. And then comes a fork in the road. So my first question to you guys would be, how many times do you think 
you have been in real love in your life. In real love? Yeah, in real love. For people for a romantic purpose, not talking about family members or, okay, for romantic purposes. I don't believe you can be in real love with anybody besides somebody you are sexual okay. and, and romantic with. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about. No talking about dogs, no family members, no pets. I would say once for me. I would say twice for me. Yeah, and for me once. And I think it's uh, people who really give it a lot of thought. It's not like the high school love and that kind of thing. It is a totally different thing. And you probably know a little bit about this intuitively, that there's something different when you got to real love. It seemed different. It was qualitatively different. What do you guys think of that description of the puppy love thing? Do you relate to it? Oh, yeah, for sure. And puppy love, I've fallen into 20 to 30 times probably. Again, for nine hours to nine months where I've been obsessed, addicted, whatever the words are that you want to use, but like basically following the definition that you provided. That's been me several times. I was even thinking back when you were asking about real love, I was thinking back about my past relationships to really think whether or not I ever did get to the state of being in real love with them by my own definition. And ultimately the answer came out to no for a couple of them. But yeah, the puppy love, dead on. Okay. So try it real quick. What is your definition of real love off the top of your head? I don't even know how to describe it. It's just how I feel it. But it's just like your partner, just who you, someone you know has your back, you have their back no matter what. Even if you're angry at them, if anything horrible happened, you would defend them, protect them, help them in some way. And who, you know, still turns you on a little bit. Yeah, partnership for sure. And who... Best friend, loyalty. Yeah, yeah. But there is sexuality in there too. Like at least from my definition, I know for a lot of people that maybe that isn't present as much anymore, but there's certain times where you still look at them and think like, I'm with somebody that's pretty good and I want to be all over them. My short definition would be my person that I want to kiss. Oh, that's good. It's like, it's my person. This is my My, person. We're connected Mm -hmm. on the deepest level, the most shallow level. Yeah. And then the in-between. That's perfect. That's a much better definition than mine. Yeah, this is the quickest way I think I could summarize it. And you still want them to be around. Even though they might annoy you one day, you still want them to be there the next day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kristen, do you feel there's a difference between the puppy love, the falling in love, and real love? The puppy love and the real love, yes. What's the difference from, yeah? Well, I think there should be the puppy love mixed into the real love. So you should have elements of feeling like there's puppy love as you delve into the real love. So what's insignificant or what's more shallow almost floats away like you're blowing a... (laughs) That sounded perverse. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you going with this? So you have blowjobs in the first nine months, then they disappear. (laughs) You know, after you're done with the blow job, then you're... Then it's sitting on the couch and watching TV. Yeah. You know, when you blow like a dandelion, like the white, the little white thing. Now I sound racist and perverse. The white thing that you blow. (laughs) Yeah. All right. But you know what I'm talking about? The dandelion. When you blow that away, it all floats. It floats. It's light. That goes away. That's the puppy love that floats away. But there's still a feeling of that magic within the stem of that dandelion you're still holding on to. That's really beautiful. Thank you. They call me Shakespeare. In my off hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's my secret name for you that I do. <laughs> it's I, called me Shakes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm uh, shaking. Just because I'm shaking. <laughs> yeah, that's poetic. <laughs> so here's kind of how I think of love. It happens in two steps. Part A is falling in love. And it happens to just about everybody in different ways. And then you get to a fork in the road. And there are two options then. You can either fall out of love, which usually ends up in terminating the relationship, or you can roll up your sleeves and get to work and do the very adult, real love work, which is very, very different than falling in love. So my working definition would be something like this. Real love is the desire and willingness to invest in your own and somebody else's personal growth. Well, I do that every day with my clients. So how is that different from a romantic partner? You do that every day with all of your clients, which is kind of amazing. I love a lot. Maybe my answer was wrong from the beginning. Maybe you're a love addict. This is great. Yeah. We have going to get you right into a program. This Seriously? is fantastic. Program? No. I don't need a program for this. I'm fine with it. <laughs> well, I have to throw this in there. It's someone I dated that turned out to not go where it should have gone. I heard him say in passing, he wasn't saying it to me, but I heard him say the phrase, I love falling in love. And that was actually a bad thing because it was almost like they were addicted to falling in love. Right. Right. And that to me is more close to the first thing, to right. falling in love, puppy love. That's not real love. So let me just say this. Real love is a very different experience. It is not really a feeling. Real love is closer to work. This is at mm -hmm. least my opinion about it. Real love is things like compromising. It's mm -hmm. like extending yourself and investing in somebody else, even when it's a lot of work and it's tiring and it takes up a lot of energy. It means sacrificing. It means taking risks and having the courage to bring up something that you disagree about and that you're upset about and trying to work it out and solve it. I think that real love is also things like it involves discipline, courage, compromise, and it's an act of these are actions, it's work, and it's things of that nature. And that's what real love is. It's mature. It's not as sexy and always romantic. But the payoff is huge at the end. Real love provides you with, I think, what you guys are shooting for is the ultimate goal, which is to help these men find a woman who is their best friend, who will be in their corner in all situations, who will be there for them, who will support them. And they can support that woman. And they create this partnership that is really the nurturing, amazing experience. But it takes a lot of work. So I have a quick question. How do you know that the person that you're in puppy love with is worth going to that more mature phase with? Because there's certain people where you fall in puppy love. And that's probably where they should stay. But then there's that special right. person that deserves the work. How do you differentiate between the two? I think you know in your gut. I think what happens is you start to try to go for real love and you see that they're not going there with you. And it's painful and yeah. it's gut-wrenching. I have an expression in my practice because I deal with a lot of people who have addiction issues. I never work harder on somebody's addiction or problem than they are. And if you are in a partnership and you are working so much harder than your partner is, that's when you know to bail, to pull the plug, get the parachute. Because I think your gut will tell you, 
as much as you want to make this work, it can't. And I think real love is a little bit like being on those nuclear submarines. Two people have to both turn their key in order to launch. And if one person doesn't turn their key, it doesn't matter how much the other person wants it, it won't happen. So that's what it's about. It's the gut feeling that you're with a partner who's going for it like you are. And here's a perfect example, is willing to be separate. So for example, I think real love means that these are two people who can tolerate living separately, but choose to be together or choose to live a life together or to have all these experiences together, but can also naturally separate and be their own person and make their own choices. And I think that sometimes you have to risk being separate and maybe even risk losing a partner. Do you think that that's actually real love or that's just a tool for harmonious love? Like so that love can last and survive. You're saying it's like a mechanism. Uh, Yeah, exactly. So that the love can flourish and survive and last for a long time and you don't end up being with somebody out of obligation or because there's limitations on you or your lifestyle. Because all the things that you're talking about are amazing and they're wonderful tools. And I think that exactly what you said before, Kristen and I, our goal is to give men the tools that they can at least provide these things to women so that the opportunity for as harmonious an experience can happen between themselves and the woman or women that they are choosing. I'm asking this question because as I'm getting older and as I'm raising my children, but also looking at the clients that I work with and myself and my parents and other people around me, I realize how much we aren't taught and how much we fall into our own habits. So for example, my son right now is getting into some trouble at his new camp because he is hitting people because at home, we kind of roughhouse with each other. And when we talked about it last night, I said, oh, you know, do you think it's a good idea to hit people when you're at camp? Is that a good idea? And he goes, no, but my body just wants to do it. I can't stop my body. And the first thing in my head, the thing's like, oh, of course your body can stop it. Like if everybody's body can stop it, because I'm thinking with my brain where I can learn to control that behavior. But for a four-year-old who hasn't learned about self-restraint, his body literally may not be able to. He doesn't have the tools to be able to put that into place right now. So I'm asking because I think for some people, I think that they fall into patterns where they can feel unloved because they can never get to that heightened space because they don't have the tools that allow them to either open themselves up, to participate in compromise, to not be aggressive. And I think that like everything you're talking about, like love can be achievable for everybody if they have those mechanisms in place. Right. And it is not achievable. And I think this is, you're kind of leading into this point. People who have a very unloved childhood where their parents abandoned them or abused yeah. them, sexually yeah. abused them, my God, sometimes I have an experience that is something closer to like soul murder, where they actually can't get there to love. They can't do it because they're so anxious. It's like a, a hole at the beach that can a sand that can never be filled. It just keeps falling into itself. And I think yeah. that's the experience. So it's different. So your son and you have a very, imagine a very loving connection. That's a very different, that's sort of developmental. But really what it comes down to is that you'll see that people, you'll meet people that just can't do it. And so they'll probably cycle through puppy love 
over and over and over and over again. And some of it has to do with something I wrote to you about, Marnie, which has to do with self-esteem, which is the reason that you're ready to love another person is that you love yourself. It's an old cliche. And so I think what is really a valuable topic for some of the men who might call in or uh, listen to this podcast is, how do I build a higher self-esteem? How do I get more self-esteem? Because that's when you're going to be ready for love, when you feel that you're of value. Because I think a lot of men under the age of 35, for example, are just very, very much walking around not really believing that they're of value to women. I agree. They doubt themselves. And so they aren't ready to go for it because they don't have enough self-esteem. They don't love themselves enough. And so I asked the question in another way, which is, okay, well, how can they gain more self-esteem? What can they do differently? What's the answer? (laughs) The answer is very counterintuitive. It's not what you think. You gain self-esteem by doing esteemable acts for other people. It is completely counterintuitive. You think you gain self-esteem by getting a master's degree or a law degree or or making a million dollars or doing things for yourself. And that is not what how it works. We gain self-esteem by putting aside ourselves and doing things for other people. To be generous, to stop yourself and to say, I'm going to do something for somebody else. And if you find yourself, you notice that you'll have all these days where you'll succeed and get all these accomplishments. And then there'll be a day when you'll just see somebody on the street who needs your help or put in a call to your mom or help out a friend. And you go, God, I feel so good today. Why is that? It's because what you've done is you're building your self-esteem. You've done what they call esteemable acts for other people. And that is how you get ready for real love. Real love. Let me just interrupt you for one second. I do want to ask you a question because let's add some parameters to that because I think there are many guys who are listening to this show, many guys who are my clients who the trap that they fall into is they become appeasers and pleasers and they continuously do generous acts for other people, especially women, then get bit in the butt and get frustrated. So what are some rules about these esteemable acts? Well, how about this? It would be good if they could do all those things for other people and then be like James Bond when they're with their, with their woman and take charge. I've watched your, some of your YouTube videos and I get it. It's like women want to be with a man. But in the other aspects of your life, I recommend you have balance. It's great to have a great career. It's great to be really successful. It's great to have a great apartment. But if you live your life without balance, without doing things for other people, you are going to feel when you're lying in bed at night and staring up at the ceiling, that you aren't worthy. And when you meet this woman who is fabulous and you're thinking this is the one, you're going to sit there and think, men will sabotage it. They don't want a woman to find out who they really are because they're sure that deep down, sure, I've got a great apartment. I make a lot of money. It's not enough. It's not enough because they know in their gut that that woman is going to find out that they just don't love themselves enough. And that's what I I think is is the challenge. Yeah. Is a missing piece. I agree. What do you think, Kristen? I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, what else is there to do? But agree. I know. It's the best <laughs> audience you've had. No, I totally agree. Doing things for others without expecting something back. I think that's the caveat to this. Get this. When I was first sober, I had a sponsor and he said to me, he said, I want you to go down to the local town and I want you to take quarters and I want you to put them and every meter that is starting to fail. 
And I said, I'm not doing that. And he said, do you want to stay sober? Do you want to do more? Do you want to go back to drugs? And I said, I want to stay sober. He said, then just do it. And he says, I'll tell you later why. What he did was he was teaching me to give without getting credit. Nobody knew. I missed the opportunity to answer this because this is really what I've been focused on lately. I'll talk about it for a long time, but I'm in grief. I lost my mother unexpectedly. And I'm going through a complete dark night of the soul, as they call it, kind of like a rebirth. I'm refinding my way in this world. And through that, unfortunately, one of the things is good deeds. I, I don't want to be a good person. <laughs> I want to go back to being the spoiled child of my mother. But I have no choice now. I literally have no choice. And I remember back several years ago, struggling with depression, my mom would say, do things for people. It'll get you yeah. unfocused from yourself and you'll gain so much from it. And I would just poo-poo her like, okay, mom, you don't really get it. You actually don't understand my depression. But the truth is she was right. And so now I'm coming face to face with that and not looking for credit. But like you said, recently I went down to this little stream area. It's very pretty. It's very nature-like-ish. I'm city-ish, so I don't really know how to describe trees. But it's really pretty. <laughs> but there was a lot of garbage left. And I was down there for some self-healing, trying to talk to my mom and just be. But I noticed all this trash. So I started picking up all of this garbage. And as I picked up one thing, I saw another. And then I saw another thing and it led me down the path and I kept finding more things. And since that day, I've thought how, and I actually thought about it this morning, how do I start some sort of litter picking up in business, not business, but volunteer type of organization. And what it did for me and my soul was huge. And all of a sudden I didn't feel good about myself because I, I didn't tell anybody. You guys are the first people that I've told about this. Oh, sure. I just saw it on Twitter <laughs> before this. It was on YouTube. I did an entire video right. and I got a lot of likes. I'm just aiming for yeah. more likes. But <laughs> yeah. I felt more in touch with who I was and what I had to offer the world than I did before ever doing that. That's so amazing. I completely agree with the doing selfless acts. It puts your own vision of yourself in a different light, but then it will also emulate to other people or like shine to other people. Yeah. Right. You're not saying, Amazing. oh, I just went and picked up all this garbage and you're not looking like a garbage but You man. just did it. You're just glowing yeah. from doing that. Oh my God. Kristen, I'm sorry for the reason that all this change is happening, but I, I am like so impressed with you <laughs> recently. Well, you it, are... It's all happening with a margarita. And right. <laughs> Max was saying he's sober. I'm now getting unsober, but at least I'm being unsober and very nice to the earth at the same time because I will recycle this can. Look at this. Full <laughs> circle. It's amazing. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then I, I definitely want to hear what Max has to say about what you just shared, but we will be back after this. Having someone on call in your pocket ready to talk to you about problems that you need help with, whether they're emotional problems or relationship problems is actually something that's possible. If you guys have ever heard of BetterHelp, you may know this already, but BetterHelp, our sponsor, is such an incredible resource for people who need therapy now or tomorrow or from their phone or whenever. Go to betterhelp.com slash askwomen to get matched with a licensed therapist that's best suited to talk with you. Anything you share is confidential. It's convenient, professional, affordable. You can check out their testimonials posted daily on their website. 
So start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash askwomen. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash askwomen. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. All right. We are back with Max, addiction relationship counselor who has been explaining to us the difference between falling in love and love. And Max, I would love to hear your response to what Christian just shared. I mean, you don't really have to respond. It's really just solidifying what you said before. Yeah. I just feel, well, first of all, Christian, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. I know it's part of life, but when you go through it, it's just gut-wrenching. It's horrible. It's the worst. And you know, what I would say about it is, is that you've definitely kicked into a mechanism that works for a lot of people. Okay. So for example, I've been sober a while, so I rarely have a craving to do drugs. It just doesn't happen. And I really never have a craving. I just sometimes have a craving to just, like I'm crawling out of my skin and I just want to do something. And I guess that's a craving for drugs, but I don't really think I'm going to go do something today. But one time, I recently, I was dating a woman who broke my heart. And I knew I was going to see her because I'm a tennis player and we keep running into each other at tennis events. And so I knew I was going to see her at this event and I did. And it was worse than I thought. And just was like hyperventilating. I really, I like had to walk away from this event and I was crawling out of my skin. And I thought to myself, what am I doing? What do I do? How do I feel better? And I did exactly what I was taught to do by my AA sponsor. I called three people and asked them how they were doing. Now that seems kind of crazy. But what I did was nothing else was going to help that day except get out of my own head. Nothing else was going to make me feel a little bit more healing. I couldn't process it anymore. I processed it up the yin-yang, just like maybe you processing your loss. At some point, you just say, I don't want to process it anymore, but I got to do something. Yeah. And that's how I relate to what you said. Mm -hmm. I love it. And that's exactly it. You have this built-up energy, you know, whether it's getting some sort of rejection or whether it's going through grief you build up an energy, you're right, from not being able to process it any longer, then your body physically needs to do something. And if you don't do it, it manifests in really bad ways. Well, I think it's amazing that both of you do those things. I choose to watch television, to be honest. Like if I'm just like crawling out of my skin, I'm like, okay, well, let's just zone out in some other way. So I applaud both of you for the the wonderful things that you're doing. But back to the building self-esteem and the ability to love. 
I want to dive into that a little bit more. And if we can, I obviously don't want to talk about specific clients of yours, but I am curious because many of the clients who you work with, I'm assuming, as you said, it's gearing towards more with addiction. Are all of these addictions drug addictions? Are these, some of them, love addictions? I deal with every kind of addiction and then I do not make any distinction. In my understanding of how addiction works, they are all the same. They are all the same. Alcohol addiction, food addiction, gambling addiction, sex addiction, porn, worrying addiction, workaholism. They are all triggered by the same mechanisms and are solved by the same mechanisms. And so there's absolutely no distinction. And so I have clients in all of those areas. As a matter of fact, but that I also then do the other side of it, which is that there tends to be a yin and yang. People who have an addictive nature tend to gravitate towards somebody who has a codependency. And so you see that perfect match. And so when I deal with couples, I do intensive weekends with couples where I spend 16 hours, just one couple all weekend. And I and very often there's a lot of teaching about the disease of addiction and then the disease of codependency. And they are incredibly similar. And so they match together and I work with both parties Usually the codependent is really annoyed that they have to do any work. They're like, I'm not the one with the problem. I'm not the one who's ruining our lives, you know, emptying our bank account, but they are partners in the problem. And they, it's hard to believe it, but they really are. And so I'm become a teacher of both things, the disease of addiction and the disease of codependency. And it's sort of like my life work now. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Kristen knows this. Kristen, do you know how I met Marnie? I have zero idea. I figured a swinging site. I don't even know if Marnie remembers. Oh, just, she's like, I have zero interest. <laughs> just, I figured it was a swinging site. If not that, I'm not interested. I know. You're like, I don't care. <laughs> I lacked confidence with women in a way that was really starting to fail me. And I went on YouTube and I found her site and I started watching her videos and I wrote her. That's how we met. Yeah. <laughs> I was failing with women constantly. But the, the ideas about touching and being confident with women, it just, it really helped, Marnie. And that's one of the reasons I'm here today. I'm not here to promote myself. I just kind of came to thank you. It was oh, wonderful. And I am madly in love right now. And I met her. And I think I wrote you a little bit about it, Marnie. I met a woman and it was amazing. But our dates really did involve us getting over the hump because of your help. We really got to escalating and things that I think I would have struggled with. Got to get over the hump to hump. Right. <laughs> I like, oh, you hump. <laughs> I know she's going to be upset, but we've been taking a lot of showers. You know, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love That makes me so happy. See, I picked up my garbage so that's the day. What, that is the truth. We met because of, I mean, I think it was sort of meant to be. I know I'm corny, but I really think so. If I was a listener and I heard you tell this story, I'd be like, damn you, I've been listening to Marnie's videos and I haven't <laughs> gotten to that point yet. What was different? What did you change? Well, I spent 10 years working on my sobriety, 10 years going to Al-Anon and working on my codependency. I've been in therapy for years <laughs> and I've learned to be a very generous person and I was tired of being alone. Mm-hmm. But in terms of action, when you were on the date, What did you do differently? Was it the touch? You know, the advice that Marnie gave? Was it like the eye contact? What was it specifically, physically? Well, can I say hi to her? Of course. Of course. Yeah, she's obviously... Hi, Krista. She's going to listen at some point. (laughs) 
you know what? It was just a sense of knowing that she would like me to touch her, not grope her, but that she was a physical woman and she really, really wanted to have my hands on different parts of her body just for a split second. Split second is key there. On her back, on her leg, just a couple of seconds, on her leg. I moved my chair. I sat next to her. It was just this kind of thing where it really helped my sense about how to act on the date. And I had gone on other dates before I met her and it helped. I was confident. It just sounds like you felt limitations before, whereas now you have permission, whether it's my permission or yourself giving permission to act how you want to act. Honestly, that's what I think I do for most people. I just say, it's allowed. It's okay to do what you want to do. Obviously with the woman's consent and obviously go slow to see if she's okay with it as well, but go for it instead of holding back. Right. And it was great. And I think what it did is I just really didn't doubt myself. And then I started listening to more of your tapes. And I just thought to myself, don't be the guy who goes along with everything. Be funny. Be yourself. You have a sense of humor. Just and let your opinions out. And the more I did, the more it was just easy. And so that's what I got from you, Marnie. And and that's kind of how I ended up reaching out to you. I wanted to talk to you because I was dating and I realized I got a hold of your organization. I realized I realized I couldn't afford you to meet with you. So I ended up here. This is the only way I can <laughs> He's like, you. let's go in the back way and get onto our podcast. <laughs> I am so the back way. Don't give anybody any ideas. No, mm-hmm. but that, honestly, this makes my day. And I, I was happy when I saw it today. Obviously, I sent you a note earlier that you're going to come on the show. But when I saw it today that you were coming on, I was very excited to get to speak with you. I do want to go back to the addiction for one second because I, I want to say one final thing or actually ask you one final thing. So when Christian and I were on Loveline a long time ago, I don't know if you remember this question, but there was one episode where Dr. Drew was responding to somebody who had a boyfriend that was an addict. And he kept reiterating, when you are in a relationship with an addict, there are three people in the relationship, you, him, or her, and the addiction. And that addiction is always going to be that person's first love. Right. So first, I wanted to know if that's a true statement. But then for some people who are listening, if they do start dating women who they see are addicts in some way, either it's an anxiety addict or it's a workaholic, what tools can they use so that they don't fall into codependency? But what can they do so that they step into that first place? So the first thing I want to say is is that you're hitting on it exactly. When I do couples therapy with one of the partners who is an addict or an alcoholic, almost every single time we get to the same question, which is that the very pained codependent says, I think you love drinking or your gambling or your porn addiction more than you love me. And that is the bottom line that they seem to get to, which is it feels to them that it's a tipping point, that they love that more than they love them. And it often ends up breaking up these relationships because the addict is not willing. And what's amazing is the addicts have this disease and they won't give it up even at the cost of the marriage or the relationship failing. So it is a real, real bummer to be with an addict who is not working on their sobriety. And so typically, for example, with AA, they always say don't date anyone unless they've had a year of sobriety. And I think that's a good rule. If you are dating somebody and they they have a severe addiction, I would not get seriously involved with them until they have a year under their belt of sobriety or whatever it is. Okay. 
I mean, that's a good message. And even for the people that are listening, if they do start dating somebody that they do find has an addiction, it's good to know that just like that you won't squeeze into that space. It's just not able to happen. And it's not because you're unlovable. It's because right. there's something else that happens to be winning over you and it's a disease. Right. And it's a disease. Now, do Have either of you ever heard of Al-Anon? Do you know what that is? Yeah. Okay. It's a support group for those who have addicts in their life. family members or loved ones that are addicts or children, right? Oh, right. So that is the advice. The advice to anybody who is in a relationship married to in a serious relationship with and somebody who has an addiction is to go to Al-Anon. It's free. It's available. It's everywhere. They have coffee and cookies there too. There's like lots of snacks. It's a fun time. I'm telling you, I love it. I go to meetings all the time and it is a big part of my life. And then you've done it for a while. You sponsor and you help other people. But that is the advice. Let's say you're going to marry somebody and they're in recovery and they're an addict. Go to Al-Anon. Yeah, because then you're amongst people who get you, who understand it and can support you. And Al-Anon is really graduate school and relationships. It is such a wonderful program. And uh, that's what I recommend people do. I wouldn't recommend, I'm a therapist. Don't go to therapy. Go to Al-Anon. Right. That's what'll help. Max, you are so wonderful. I'm going to end the show now, but I just want to say thank you so much for coming onto the show. You do have a website. I know you didn't want to plug anything, but please tell people your website. So in case it's, they are an addict or are in a couple and want some counseling, they can contact you. Absolutely. It's a addictioncouplestherapy.com. Oh, very easy. You must have been the mm-hmm. first to like get a website for... <laughs> that's like the perfect terms for everything that you do. Sure. And my office is in Mill Valley, which is near San Francisco, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, I love Mill Valley. Very lucky. Yeah. yeah. Very, very nice. Those big trees, oh. right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The redwood. You know that they always appear when they're along the creeks, right? Yeah. They have to have the water of a running creek. Amazing. You guys are great. And uh, I, I was really looking forward to today. And it was exactly what I thought. Good. So great. I'm glad we got to meet. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm going to sign off quickly because I have to leave in three minutes. But new episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Please go and subscribe to our show and pass it on to whoever you know that needs this kind of help. I think this episode especially was really important for everybody who's listening and then for others as well because we touched on how to build self-esteem. And that is a huge struggle for so many people. And both Kristen and Max provided amazing, quick and easy ways that you can boost your self-esteem in a matter of minutes, hours, days. So please share this episode. And you guys are awesome. We'll see you next week. 